You ever had a voice go off in your head as you were about to step off the corner? You step back only to see a car swerve around the corner that would have hit you had you stayed there? You ever had an opportunity you never thought would open up and all of a sudden a door opens, just like the motion detector at Walmart? We want to help you in this episode discover God's fingerprint moments that you may be missing, which could unlock your purpose. And stay tuned to the end because we're going to answer a question that could be very crucial to where you stand right now. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight under real inspiration. Keep It 100! Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. You're in for a fun, inspirational episode as we talk about origin stories and how to discover God's fingerprints. You're also going to want to stay tuned to the end of this podcast episode as we answer the crucial question, what can you know about God that you can hold on to no matter how dark it gets? Hey, Christy, here we are. We're together. Oh, come on. I've been excited about this moment. This is going to be amazing. I'm super excited just about our opportunity to address this phenomenal issue that was so super fired up about. Yeah. And man, it's it's been a crazy season we've been in, right? It's been really crazy. I mean, definitely the word bizarre comes to mind. <laughs> Unexpected. I mean, we just have had such an extended time of lockdown and quarantine. I know every state's a little bit different. We're coming to everyone from California. So we've just been in a unique season. I was interviewed and somebody asked me, had you ever seen anything like this? And I'm like, what do you think? I'm Methuselah? No, nobody <laughs> live right now has ever seen anything like no. this. I mean, it's crazy. And you know, we've seen all the way from uh, just quarantine and uh, shelves being cleared out. It felt kind of apocalyptic a bit. And then uh, National Guard getting called in. I mean, we just had a series of unique and a roller coaster of events for sure. You know, obviously, as we're coming out of this season, it was so funny at, at your nephew's graduation yeah. that you had grandmas doing drive-bys with face masks <laughs> on. Right. I'm like, this is a unique season. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's great. Well, I'm super excited because we're going to hit this theme of origin stories. I love this. It's fun. And I love origin stories because in entertainment, which I am a comic book guy, so yes, to speak, you, you might even see a black man at a Comic-Con <laughs> conference, right? I would not be surprised. DC yeah. and particularly MCU, which stands for Marvel Cinematic Universe. Ooh, okay. In entertainment, the origin story is the backstory revealing how a character came to be and what led them to a certain place. Yeah, right. So crazy. When I watched Wonder Woman, I was like, hello. I mean, it was just awesome. I mean, her origin story was incredible. Beginnings are so important because when we uh, understand the why, we get a greater window as into the who. Ooh, come on. I love that. You know, it's so, it's, I love that we're talking about origin stories because I feel like when you learn someone's story, it gives you context to who they are today. And when you get a context, all of a sudden you have an understanding, an insight, a window into why they are the way they are. I, I just think it's so important. And what's really crazy is there is more than ever uh, true stories based on true stories, you know, movies and whatnot, uh, going to uh, the theaters. And I just think stuff like that is so telling of people's love and crave for narrative. It's so true. Beginnings are so important. They are. It's awesome. You know, it's... It's ironic that God begins his book 
the Bible with Genesis, which traces the origin of all things, that it establishes God in the context of this vast universe thing that he's created. So I figured, hey, if God began with an origin story, maybe that's a good place for us to start. <laughs> I like it. That's a good lead. That's a good lead. I love that. Now, when I think of some origin stories, I think of we have just got finished recognizing that ESPN had the highest viewed series they've ever put on a screen, which is amazing. It was called The Last Dance. Yeah, so but speaking of an origin story, it was the origin story of the championship bulls of the 90s yeah. and Michael Jordan and his ascent in the midst of it. That was a very interesting uh, origin story. Totally. And being from Oregon, you know, I got to I got to throw out their Nike Phil Knight, which is really cool from Oregon. Many people don't know this multi-billion dollar sneaker company actually was started in the back backseat out of the trunk of Phil Knight. I mean, that's an incredible origin story to begin in the back of your car to now being a billion dollar leading in the athletic industry. That's pretty incredible. That's story. amazing. Right? AC Hammer started like that, except there was rap tapes coming out of the trunk <laughs> of his car. Had the, <laughs> the distance that Nike's had, but yes. <laughs> you know, I think of another origin story. I think of, you know, close to what, 600 million people on the planet have experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. And obviously we can trace it back to the origin story of Acts 2, but the more modern was W.J. Seymour, a one-eyed black man, son of a sharecropper, mm -hmm. that made his way uh, out of Houston, Texas to Topeka, Kansas, where he sat underneath Charles Parham. And Charles Parham was a uh, a guy that had experienced the baptism. The Holy Spirit was teaching people on that, but he mm -hmm. was, a at that time, they believed in segregation. He was a one of those that believed in that. And so W.J. Seymour had to sit uh, outside on a sunny day outside of the classroom with the window open to listen to the teaching. And it was raining. They would let W.J. Seymour, this black man, sit in a broom closet with the door open. And I don't say that so much to cite the racism. I, I see it so much is to cite the hunger of a man that refused to be offended right. because he wanted something in the spirit so bad. It was like, you're not going to keep me from it. He, he moves essentially into Los Angeles area. They bar the doors of a church because they understand he's teaching on the baptism and they didn't believe in that. But he continued in a house on Bonnie Bray Street, which we've been to yeah, that house. Yeah. And as a result of that, the power of God fell and the rest is history. And the Zuzu Street revival that ran for three years is now impacted over 600,000 people in the fastest growing churches in, a, in in the world right now. I love that. And I just want to go back to the point you made, which is so powerful. He refused to be offended because there was such a hunger in him for the more of God. He knew God had a destiny for him. He was the man that was going to lead one of the greatest revivals to date. And like you're saying, was the number 600 yes. million? Yes. I mean, what in it? One life and you know, just choosing God, refusing to be offended. And to this day, we're still talking about the impact of his life. Yep. As humans, we love and crave narrative. Yeah. So in this n craving, I want to hear your origin story. What's yours, Chris? Yeah. You know, what's really cool is I was born into a, a family that loved God. We were Catholic, went to Catholic school, like the whole thing. And I actually had a really good experience in the Catholic Church, which I like to bring that to the table because I think there's so much negative narrative on the Catholic Church. And obviously there's been some really horrific things that have happened, but my personal experience uh, was really positive. And uh, we got hit by the charismatic renewal in the late, eight, late 80s, or excuse me, in the 80s, early 80s. Um, and that was basically, people don't know that term charismatic renewal, it simply means Holy Spirit just invaded Catholic Church. 
And we begin to see the baptism of the Holy Spirit happen, uh, ca- Catholics speaking in tongue, praying for healing, miracles happen. It was really incredible. And my family was totally impacted by it. My parents uh, begin to host prayer meetings and just really seeing people uh, hungry, encountering God. And then, of course, if your parents are impacted, the children get impacted. So we found ourselves as a family of five uh, going up the I-5 corridor, the high, the freeway of I-5, going up to Smoky Point, Washington, which was about, you know, six, seven hours north of su- Southern Oregon in our Volkswagen van. And we we're going to this family, uh, you know, family camp. And it was hosted by Foursquare Denomination. And, you know, we didn't quite know what all that meant. We just knew that uh, we trusted the people that invited us and we wanted more of God. And we've heard that God was at this camp. So we go there, we're camping. And after, you know, I'm the youngest of three girls and my two older sisters are coming back from the junior high, high school meetings, which were combined. And then I'm separated. I'm in the children's ministry by myself. Of course, my parents are in the adult meetings. We come back for the first couple of nights and we're like comparing stories of like what happened in everyone's services. And, you know, I'm talking about the puppets and they're having to stand on the chairs and I'm singing at the top of my lungs and I'm loving it. I'm loving the puppets. I'm loving the song. It's fun. But then my sisters begin to share their story and their story is people are falling out on the ground. God's talking to people. Demons are getting cast out. People are getting healed. Uh, Now I know the verbiage prophetic words are getting released, but they just said God was talking to people. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I heard this and you know this story. I heard my sisters tell this story and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Okay. I love the puppets, but I'm sorry. I want that. So I concocted this plan, which felt really brave because I was like seven, eight years old. And it was to ask to go to the bathroom with no intention to go to the bathroom, but instead make a mad dash across the football field, kind of length of a football field, I should say. And it was to where the meetings were being held for the junior high high schoolers. And I did that. I, I sprinted across this dark field, which felt so brave at seven or eight years old, but I was so hungry, so curious for what they were talking about. And there was this mentality in me that was like, forget the puppets. Like, I want that. Whatever they're talking about, I want that. As soon as I opened up the door, baby, I experienced the tangible presence of God. I would articulate it now, obviously having the maturity to be able to look at hindsight and recognize it was the glory of God. I walked into the glory of God. And I crammed my little seven, eight-year-old body to the back wall, praying no one would ask me to leave because I wasn't supposed to be in there. And I just made a vow at that time because I knew God was in the room. I knew that what I was seeing was real. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't maybe articulate at the time, but I was marked by God. And I saw at that time that this was available. So the vow I said to myself was, if this is available, I will spend my life pursuing it. And you know what? That's exactly what happened. From that point on, for the rest of my life, I got so marked by God. And I'm going to use the term because we're talking about origin stories, but we're also talking about fingerprints, that his fingerprints marked me. His fingerprints were left on me. When uh, God is at work, you see the residue of him left on you. And literally my, my heart was marked. My spirit was marked. My mind was marked. Everything about me was marked with God's hand, with his fingerprint. And from that day on, I've just run after God. I haven't always done it perfect, but I've I've missed it many times. But I've just been someone that's loved God and pursued him. That's so true. I can say that's true of your life. And I mean, for all intents and purpose, it was like you you did this thing where you ditched the puppets to hitch to the prophetic. <laughs> oh yes, I did. If you was a com- <laughs> if you were a comic book, I would I would say, Krista, leave Sesame Street to go to Azusa Street. Come on. <laughs> happen right now. That's crazy. I think you make a great point because 
you what you're saying is origin stories are when you discover the fingerprints of God. Uh, exactly. I feel like when you and I look back on our lives and also when our listeners look back in their lives, they can look at specific recall moments. They might be small. They might not seem super significant, but they were significant between you and God because God knows us. And he knows us in such a way to put his mark on us. They don't have to be these extravagant, big moments. This was me dashing across a dark field by myself as seven, eight years old and just simply walking into a room. There, No one even noticed I was there. And yet God noticed and he put his fingerprint on me. And I love that. You know, I believe everyone has a fingerprint. Everyone has an origin story. Sometimes we just have to take time to discover what it is. But I know you have some incredible stories and I'd love to hear what your fingerprint slash origin story is. It's kind of a back to the future thing. But some years ago, I was at a conference. I'm now, as I'm telling this story, I am in campus ministry directing a university outreach at a secular university. I go to a conference. As I go to this conference, it's a, uh, a Passion for Jesus conference, but they have a room where all leaders and pastors are invited out of the conference. There was maybe 80 to 100 pastors. And we're in a room and, and a, a, a guy with a prophetic ministry jumps up. He's out of Texas. And he's starting the whole meeting. He's supposed to speak to us as leaders. And he points me out he says, you young man, stand up. He says, between the ages of eight and 10 years of age, had God not intervened, you and I would not be having this moment, which my mind immediately ran back to when I was nine years old. And I'll, I'll share that. That's yeah. kind of my origin story. So but he goes on to say, you have an enlarged heart. Mm -hmm. And he says, what I mean by that is God has given you unusual passions and you will capture uh, the passion of the Lord and share it with a generation. Mm -hmm. So anyway, when he said between eight and 10 years of age, had God not intervened, we wouldn't be having this moment. I knew what he meant. My mind flashed back because I didn't at that point recognize it, but I almost died when I was nine. Had God not intervened, I literally wouldn't be in that room. At nine years of age, uh, my dad was, was tragically murdered unexpectedly. And then in the midst of it, I began to develop these severe chest pains to the point as a nine-year-old kid, it would floor me. I would, I'd complain of this pain. And so finally... Um, my mom took me to a doctor and recommended I go to a specialist. So they did all these heart checks. To make a long story short, they they came back. My diagnosis was I had an enlarged heart, but because of the pressure that was put on the ventricles and the and the way the blood is forced through your system, uh, the doctor said, if I don't put a pacemaker in your son's chest, he's not going to make it. Wow. But he also said at a nine-year-old kid to do open heart surgery and put and, and back in the day, man, these pacemakers look like cigarette boxes sticking out of your chest. My uncle had one. He says he runs the risk of fatality simply by the operation. So it was kind of like, man, if I do this thing, I'm in danger. If I don't do these things, I'm in danger. So my mom had to think about it. We walk out in a parking lot of Alta Bates Hospital. It started to rain. And I'll never forget this. I'm, I'm not saved at the time. My mom's not saved at the time. My grandma's not saved at the time, which was my family. Thus, this is my uh, origin story, discovering this early God fingerprint. My mom cries out and says, God, please don't take my only child. Please don't take my only child. And that's really all she said. She didn't have the sophistication to play, pray this long, elaborate prayer. Immediately in that moment, Krista, I felt this pop in my chest and I felt this tingling sensation. The only way I could remember and describe it. And immediately it was like I, I kind of knew something. And I just said, hey, mom, let's run these tests again. Wow. I think something happened. Yeah. So my mom went in. She made an appointment. We went back. I have to run on this thing that looks kind of like you're running on a, a treadmill. They put together these uh, suction cups, and they hooked it up to my chest. And while I'm running, they're checking everything. They do all these 
EKGs and all these other things. So we had to wait. Anyway, we got back the results and the results was I still had an enlarged heart, still do to this day. But the doctor says something miraculous happened because it's not bringing any level of greater stress on his body. He can play sports. He can do everything. We do not have to do this emergency procedure on his heart. Incredible. So here I am years later with 80 to 90 other pastors and realizing in this moment, mm-hmm. it was a fingerprint moment that this prophet of God is calling out and it, it marked, it marked. Yeah. Oh my, that is so powerful that in this private moment between you and your mom and God, right? It's just the three of you. No one's there. It's just this quiet moment. God just touches from heaven and you have a creative miracle. Again, you don't have explanation for it. You don't, you're not in this place with God where there's even verbiage or understanding and yet God's marked you. And I can tell you, your life has been so marked by him. I mean, just being your wife, I see his handprint, his thumbprint, you know, all all over you. And I, and I love this. And it's, it's what an incredible story. Cause I just, I love it when we recognize uh, that God meets us in the big, the little, and in the hidden and the quiet. Yes. Well, you know, I told our listeners how much I love <laughs> kind of the MCU, DC, and I love that whole genre of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, as we're talking about fingerprints, I know that you love detective dramas. Who do I? I do. I love myself a great detective. I love a good mystery. I Because I have this thing, and my husband will attest to this, I love to figure everything out. And so my goal is always to try to figure it out as fast as possible. And I always try to call out the ending. And I and I love mystery because number one, I love to figure out who did it and I love to know why. And then I love the context of it. And what's really cool, because we're talking about fingerprints, so much of mysteries are solved by the DNA, right? And it's often by the fingerprints. It's what's left of the person at the scene. And that's how they discover who was a part of it. But if you flip the script on that, uh, we can often see the same principle that when God leaves his residue, his DNA on you, we're carrying every scene that we go to in life. We're carrying who he is because he's marked us. It's so true because I I really feel like what this episode is about is about prophetic forensics. Ooh, yeah, it is. Because the truth of the matter is, is if you can discern God's fingerprints, then you can depend on his finishing touches. Oh, say that again for if the fact. you can discern God's <laughs> fingerprints, then you can depend on his finishing touches. Because the Bible says we're the masterpiece of God. So you cannot work a, a potter that works on clay is going to leave their fingerprints. In fact, the Bible even talks about this. It says in Romans one twenty one, Krista, in the Passion Translation, it says, Romans one twenty one again, it says, throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them. So we even have scripture that 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 challenges us to know we've got the fingerprints and by seeing God's fingerprints in the past, it gives one courage to confidently place their now in God's hands. And you know, I want to add to that because I love that. It says in Ephesians 2.10, it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that. There are things that are prepared for that have been carrying the fingerprint of God that we carry in us, that when God knit us in the womb, we carry the destiny and the DNA of our heavenly father that that are ordained for us to walk in. I love that. You know, you bring up a great point that the fingerprints of God aren't just on us. Mm -hmm. They're on our destiny. They're on our path. They're on our purpose. They're on the things that we're supposed to put our hands to. That's right. 
that that gets me excited. You know what that does? In a time that's been so uncertain of the season that we've come out of, I feel like some listeners need to hear this today, that even in uncertain times, there is a, there is a plan and a purpose that the Lord has for you, that nothing is a, a lost cause. Nothing is not without purpose. God uses all things for his glory. So even in the unknown, even in the uncertain, know that you are carrying the fingerprint of God over your life and over the plans of God over your life. So true. Well, I've got a kind of a fingerprint. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My earlier fingerprint is was that fact that I got healed. But later on, what would be the next kind of major fingerprint is my grandmother, who was an alcoholic all my life, but never abusive. And I knew she loved me. In fact, uh, you, the listeners will find out in a moment how integral she was in my life. She had been alcoholic all my life. We grew up uh, inner city of Oakland. Uh, we were uh, economically challenged. Translation, we was PO <laughs> and uh, P.O. And my grandmother went to like Safeways. That was the nearest grocery store to where we're at. She's going to, she could walk there. It was a couple blocks away. She went to do some grocery shopping, of course. And as she did, she ran into two older ladies and they invited her, her my grandmother out to their church. Mm. And so my grandmother went, I think it was either that night or the next night, they had a midweek service, which my grandma didn't know their midweek was their deliverance service. <laughs> so my grandmother gets on the bus. I'm a, I'm, I'm a junior in high school, so I'm, I'm at basketball practice. She hops on the bus and goes to this little small storefront, Holiness Pentecostal Church by Lake Merritt, Oakland, California. She listens to the message. She walks forward. She dedicates her life to Christ. She's immediately delivered. They lay hands on her. Come on. And she gets back on that bus, a free woman. She comes back to our, our uh, place where we live. She goes underneath the sink. She breaks all her alcohol bottles. Grandma never took another drink. Mm. And I remember I got home by the time she got home because it took me a while. Mm. I was going to school at that time, high school in East Oakland. Uh, I look at my grandma and I saw her breaking her bottles. I couldn't understand that. I'm not saved. Right. Like, why would you do that? You spend all your social security money. That's like, like grandma's investment. <laughs> That's a retirement. She got investments in alcohol. And my grandma said, I don't need to take 12 steps. I just needed to take one to Jesus and he set me free. But that fingerprint so gripped me because years later, and uh, I look forward to sharing my full testimony on a later episode. But my grandmother would go to see, meet Jesus because she passed away from cancer. And at that time I'm in college, but there was a woman there that was kind of like a hospice right. caretaker. Right. As my grandmother was starting to have problems, she had a vision or something the lady described where my grandmother looks away and she says to the lady, they're here for me. And she, the, the woman caretaker says, no, 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 nobody's here. It's just mm -hmm. me. And she says, no, no, they're here for me, baby. And uh, she says, uh, my grandma says, I'm a check out. And a woman got alarmed. She's getting ready to call 911. My grandmother stopped her. And she says, I'll be gone by the time they come here. Mm -hmm. She says, you just come close, baby. She grabs her by the hand and she shares with her the love of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus wants to, in that moment, change her life. My grandmother, according to this woman, as she spoke at my grandma's funeral, she eulogized. Wow. My grandmother led this woman to the Lord on her deathbed. And my grandmother went out with a smile on her face. Come on, Ethel Lee Wynn wasn't playing. And her fingerprint marked because two ladies in a grocery store aisle were faithful mm -hmm. to extend the fingerprints of God on my grandmother. On her deathbed, she extends the fingerprints of God on this woman. And then that would be, I'll tell it later, a domino effect to me coming to Christ. Oof. You know, as you were sharing that, I felt like a listener needed to hear that today, that it doesn't take 12 steps, but it only takes one step. 
that in one moment with Jesus, it can change everything. Because I feel like there's some people listening where there's been years of the same cycle, the same addiction, the same process. And even as you're listening to this, I just feel like God's like, it only takes one encounter, one moment, one fingerprint, (laughs) you know, uh, to encounter God for that thing to be broken. And I love it because when we accept and come into a realization of the fingerprint of God on our life, it breaks unbelief. And when you break unbelief in your life, it removes a veil that is hidden often, the ability to see the fingerprints of God. Isn't that so true? That when we're walking in unbelief, it's really hard to see God because everything's coming through the lens of skepticism, the lens of unbelief, the lens of not expecting it, right? The lens of hopelessness, depression. You're not seeing God. But when you're actually like, God, I, I believe you. I believe you can do that. It removes that veil and bam comes the encounter. You know, that's the beautiful thing. It's so true. Even the book of Acts, it talks about God, his appointed times and circumstances mm-hmm. whereby we wouldn't grope for him, that we would find him. And so what that passage says to me is that God has purposely left his fingerprints all around us everywhere for us to discover and they will guide us into freedom. I love that. I love that. So good. That is so good. And you know what? To all our people, they need to understand that when unbelief is cast off, they discover God's fingerprints are everywhere. That's right. I love that. So good. Well, I want our listeners, Krista, to receive three keys to discover God's fingerprints. We talked about origin stories are, in fact, discovering God's fingerprints. We talked about how important they've been in our lives, but we want to help people and give them some value in terms of content to how they can discover God's fingerprints. So why don't you take number one and give our our first key? Yeah, we just want to put some just really simple practical keys in all of your hands, listeners, because we love to inspire, we love to share, but we also want that practical application that you walk away with with keys on how to change and discover God's fingerprints in your life. The first key is is you, when you see unusual coincidences and reoccurring circumstances. Let me repeat that. When you experience unusual coincidences and reoccurring circumstances. And what I mean by that is so many times in my life, I have encountered the same conversation, the same situation, maybe the same sequence of numbers. Uh, But I know I share this story often if you hear me preach because it's just one of my favorites. Within a 15, 20 minute period, I had the same conversation with two young homeless men and it was identical uh, life circumstances, situations as to why they were homeless and asking me for a meal that day. And it was in the encounter, the exact same situation, same age, same gender, same situation that I knew God was calling me to have a heart for a generation. And it was, again, another fingerprint of God moment in my life, but it came through unusual coincidences and reoccurring circumstances. And that to me is like, don't negate, don't dismiss those things that are repetitive. You're like, man, I've just had this conversation. Why has this person brought this up to me again? Or why do I keep seeing 1111 everywhere? Pay attention to those things that God's showing you. So what you're saying too, is that when you notice that things jump out at you, yeah, they're out of the ordinary, right? things that are repeating, mm-hmm. it's a sign from God that he's yeah. pointing. There was a fingerprint yeah. involved in That's that. That's right. That's so awesome. The second key I want to give our listeners, Krista, in terms of discovering God's fingerprints is when the impossible suddenly becomes imminent. I thought it was impossible for my grandmother to be set free from alcohol. There wasn't a day that I could recall unless the social worker was coming to our house or she or I had to go to the doctor that she wouldn't get drunk and then she would just wait till that's over and she did. 
But all of a sudden, when I recognized what I thought is, it was impossible that my grandmother ever change, uh, you know, the old adage, you don't teach an old dog new tricks and all that stuff. And then I saw her get set free because to say something is eminent is to say it is occurring. It, you're mm-hmm. on the precipice of it. And I think of another way these fingerprints is maybe somebody uh, was going to step off a curb. They heard a voice in their head say, don't step off the curb. Very next minute, a car swerves yeah. around. I know before Christ, BC in my life, I didn't go to a certain party for some reason. And that was not like me. I'd try to go to every party. I was trying to dance, <laughs> get my groove on. I didn't find out the police showed up there. Wow. And I think Revelations 3.8 says that God opens doors no man can shut. Mm-hmm. I think another fingerprint we can discover is the open door, that God opens doors, that there's no way that door should have opened, no mm-hmm. way you should have got that job, yeah. got accepted to that college, no way, you know, you should have gotten God's dream for your life in terms of that partner. That's how I feel about you. <laughs> and just like on our front door, Krista, we have smart locks yeah. that based on an app on our phone, we get in proximity of the door, it opens up, right. although recently hasn't been working as good <laughs> as we like. I think there are times in life and when you get in vicinity that God goes before you and he has the ultimate smart lock and he begins to open the doors of opportunity and you got to stop and thank him. But when you recognize that, you're able to realize that. Mm-hmm. That's so good. The third key, and I love this, is when unexplained answers and unexpected thoughts jump out at you. I love that. Third key, when unexplained answers and unexpected thoughts jump out at you. That's often when just, you know, you're just doing your own thing. You're just like thinking about this. And all of a sudden, this thought just jumps in in your mind. All of a sudden, it's like an interruption to your normal train of thought. How many times have I had this happen, especially when I'm like waking up in the morning and it's before I'm fully awake and I'm finding myself in the kind of that just pure state of being still and quiet before the Lord. And then the Lord just downloads a prophetic stream. And it's in that just simple rest of God that I begin to put value on what's in my spirit and what's on my heart. What comes to mind when I first wake up in the morning for me, at least in recent years, has been some of my clearest, purest prophetic veins is things I've preached, things I've released prophetically, things I've gotten for people, because I've learned to give weight and give value for things that are just unexpected and just interrupting. That's so good, Krista. You're a very wise person. And one of the ways that I realize that is you'll say something to me and it's so wise, it shifts my way of thinking. It brings an alteration to my perspective paradigm shift. So say God speaks to me who is has possesses ultimate wisdom. Mm-hmm. One of the ways I know God speaking to me in the fingerprint is that heaven will shift your thought process all of a sudden. Maybe you're mad, you're angry, you're discouraged at one minute, and you get one thought, and it's another way of saying receiving instant real-time illumination. And as you shift, you can recognize, wait a second, those thoughts fit later down the line, and we'll find out the entrepreneurs made millions of dollars off, someone discovered their talent or gift they're supposed to bring to the world, they don't realize it was a fingerprint moment that something mm. jumped out in them. I love that. And so you think about these three keys, unusual circumstances, uh, un- excuse me, unusual coincidences, the reoccurring circumstances, uh, when the impossible suddenly becomes imminent, and when unexplained answers and unexpected thoughts jump out at you. Right now, you are going to want to subscribe and get ready because our very next episode is on inciting incident. I'm excited about that one. We're so excited that you've been joining us today. We hope you continue to connect with us. You can check us out during the week, anytime available on our social media 
Facebook, Twitter, and you can also go to our website. And there are social media handles are on there, but it's SeanandKristaSmith.com. Check us out. Get connected. Find us on Facebook. We want to hear from you. Finally, I told you in the beginning, I would answer the question, what can you know about God that you can hold on to no matter how dark it gets? And if you've listened to this entire episode, you arrived at this conclusion with us. God's reputation rides on you getting through your crisis. So good. That God has an unblemished track record, according to his word in 2 Corinthians 2 and 14, that God... Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. If you can discover his fingerprints, you know that God, you can depend on God's finishing touches. And as a result of that, God will help you connect the dots. So maybe there's someone out there right now that they're not connected to God. Mm. Uh, they don't know God or maybe they're away from God. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So all you have to do in this moment is just call on Jesus. Say, God, I recognize you reaching out to me. And when God reaches out, he touches you with his fingerprints. And you recognize those fingerprints and you say, Jesus, be Lord. And you turn over the steering wheel of your heart and life. And as you do it, you will never be the same. Don't forget to join us as we'll be coming back at you with Keep It 100 with Sean and Krista Smith. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it